right, kiddos, if you guys want to head on back to Children's Church, those of you who are going, you feel free to stay, though. Like, kids are always welcome in church. Don't ever feel like you got to send your kids somewhere else. If we're going to say anything that they shouldn't hear, we'll tell you before it happens, okay? So that's going to be okay. We're going to wrap up our study in the book of Matthew as we focused on uh, really Matthew's word to the Jewish people concerning Jesus in Matthew chapters 1 and 2. So we're going to finish that today, and then next week we'll launch into something new. But we're going to finish chapter 2 today. We looked at uh, all the signs that point to Jesus uh, along the way from his genealogy to his birth, and then the visit from the wise men. And now we're going to look at this flight, what happens with Herod and going from there. But before we get there, you can fiddle with your pages and find Matthew 2.13. I want to tell you a story uh, with permission, of course. Um, this morning, we got up and kind of moseyed around, and my daughter asked a question, Daddy, can we make waffles? And my mind immediately went to the frozen pancakes that are in the freezer, so I said, you must mean you want pancakes. And I, she said, no, I want to make waffles. I said, well, we have frozen pancakes in the freezer. And she said, no, I want waffles. And back up a few days, she got this little waffle maker for Christmas. And she wanted to make waffles. Well, Mama was getting ready for church. And so this was Daddy. She said, Daddy, we have the directions right here. You help me make waffles real quick. So we did that, okay? We made waffles for the little waffle maker, and then I switched, swapped with Rachel as she finished the process. Caroline and I got all the ingredients and combined them and mixed them and got them ready to put on the waffle maker, and then I left to get ready for church, and when I got ready, they said, go taste the waffles. I thought that was kind of odd, so I went and tasted the waffles, and I learned real quickly why they asked me to taste the waffles. Apparently, it was a gagging contest as everyone tried the waffles. We learned something. I learned a very important lesson this morning. You have to follow the directions, number one. <laughs> number two, when you follow the direction, use the right ingredients or things can go bad quickly. Number three, there is a huge difference between baking powder and baking soda. <laughs> that will change the texture and taste of whatever you're making. So next time we have an event, don't ask me to help make waffles. <laughs> didn't follow the directions, didn't use the right ingredients. Thought that was kind of humorous. I'll share that with you. Make fun of me all you want. All right. Look with me at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. As we finish out the chapter, we see this interesting turn of events take place. If we back up and kind of refresh our memory with what just happened, the wise men come to see Jesus. They run into Herod. Herod finds out there's another king of the Jews. So he is already ultra paranoid. He's going to take care of the problem. He doesn't want anyone coming against him and his power and so he decides to go ahead and kill all the kids, all the babies, two and under, which is maybe 15, 20 children in this community. But he's just saying, anyone under this age or, or lower, we're just going to get rid of them so I can get rid of any threat. 
<clears throat> and then the wise men come and see Jesus, and then we find us here in Matthew 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, the wise men left. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Again, here's the angel for the second time having an interaction with Joseph. The angel said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. So how quickly did he move? He immediately left, right? By night he took Mary and Jesus and took off for Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 18, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So how many visits did Joseph have? Three, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now that as we dissect this text, that you would speak to us. Father, fill us with your spirit, and may you move our hearts closer to you. May we see the incredible impact that you're making here. So, Father, give us the knowledge we desperately need to live in the world that we live in today. And may we leave ready to do something about it. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we kind of take a big picture look of what just happened or what took place at the end of Matthew 2, we have to remember why Matthew is writing. Matthew is writing to what kind of audience? A Jewish audience. And he's trying to convince or show proof to these Jews that Jesus is the one you should follow. He is the Messiah. So he's trying to give evidence, as we read in Matthew's, in chapters 1 and 2, we see so many examples given from his genealogy to his birth, to the interaction with the wise men, and now to this flight to Egypt. Proof that Jesus is the Messiah. He is trying to declare to them that there is a hope. There is a new hope in this world. Anybody obsessed with the, all the Star Wars craze? Baby Yodas, Mandalorians, all this kind of fun stuff going on right now? I could easily have titled this message, The New Hope. Because a Skywalker is not the hope for the world. Jesus is. And Matthew is trying to share with the Jewish audience that there is a new hope. A new hope in the world. And if they trust in this new hope, 
they would receive salvation and life everlasting. Now, if there is a new hope, there also has to be a what? There's an old hope, right? Can't have a new without an old, right? So we're going to discover that old hope today. Let me ask you something. If we think back to the history of the nation of Israel, what is the watershed moment for the nation? Think about it. The thing they remember and they celebrate every year. The one moment that kind of, it's right there in the middle of that, isn't it? That, that escape from Egypt, that deliverance from bondage, right? It's what they celebrate. We celebrate Passover and remember the sacrificial lamb. And they honor Moses in the Exodus. We see movies made about it. We hear them talk about it over and over. Ex- the Exodus, the escape from Egypt, is the watershed moment for the nation of Israel. That deliverance is something they'll always remember and never forget. But here in Matthew... Matthew is revealing three more signs from the Old Testament that points directly to Jesus as Messiah. You know, when, we, when you go somewhere, you have to follow the directions, right, to get to your destination. Most of us use the GPS for that. Some of you old school people pull out the map, you follow the directions on the map. Some of you just get in the car and wing it. Or if you're going to make something, you've got to follow the directions to get the desired result, Right? Well, Matthew is given directions to the Messiah right here in this, these first two chapters. In this climax here, in the birth narrative, we find three incredible examples from the Old Testament that point directly to Jesus as the Messiah. Let's look at them. We just read them, but let's look at them quickly, closely, together. Verse 15, as they, as they flee to Egypt to get away from Herod, we see this quotation, this quote from an Old Testament book of Hosea, Out of Egypt I called my son. That comes from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Which is true of the Exodus, right? That deliverance that Moses led the people out of Egypt, but we see a new deliverance that is coming soon. Out of Egypt... God shall draw his son. We see that reference, that first reference of the Messiah here from Matthew in verse 15 as he flees to Egypt. If we look on down to verse 18, we see when the children are killed, all the babies are killed in Herod's attempt to get rid of Jesus. We see this quotation found in Jer- from Jeremiah, a voice heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation. This comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 15 through 17 says this, Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope. For your future, declares the Lord. Matthew is pointing to Jesus. He's using the Old Testament scripture and the Old Testament narrative, the prophets that point directly to Jesus. And Matthew is emphasizing them and saying, this is the one. This is the Savior, the Messiah. 
And then the third sign pointing to Jesus. If we keep reading, we see this reference to the town of Nazareth. This town of Nazareth, there's many reasons why um, scholars say Matthew included this reference or why Joseph and Mary even went to Nazareth anyway. Where were they living with Jesus before they fled? We are left thinking Bethlehem. Where did they come from to go to Bethlehem to register? Nazareth. Nazareth. So why would Joseph raise his child in Nazareth? Is there anything significant about Nazareth? Nazareth is not a place you want to live. People that live there are despised or called all kinds of names. Not well respected. And we see that listed in Isaiah 53, verse 3. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. If you notice, or you remember Jesus throughout his ministry, when people recognized him and knew where he was from and what family he came out of, what did they say? Oh, that's just Jesus. Don't pay attention to him. He's nothing. He doesn't mean anything. He's from Nazareth. We can let him go. We see Matthew over and over again pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. And if we step back and look at the big picture, thinking about that watershed moment in the life of Israel, that deliverance from Egypt, we see Matthew painting a picture that we can't miss, that we have to grab onto if we're going to fully understand the implications of what he's trying to share. The big picture in the nation of Israel is they remember and they celebrate God's deliverance, God saving his people by a miraculous deliverance, right? Moses came in and he miraculously delivered the nation out of Egypt away from Pharaoh. And we study and we read about those plagues and all the interesting things that happened in Egypt and the deliverance out of and the wanderings in the wilderness over to the promised land and the struggles that Moses had. We see throughout that that Old Testament narrative that God saved his people by a miraculous deliverance in Moses. But if we read it in the book of Matthew, Matthew reveals something incredible. Matthew reveals that God saved his people out of Egypt, out of bondage, by a miraculous deliverer, Jesus. see, all the signs point to Jesus. Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah. I might stress you out here, but Marcy, I might ask you to do something for me. We, got, we just sang a song, O Come Emmanuel. Can you pull that, that first verse up real quickly? That's a relative term. We just sang this song, but I don't even know if you knew what you were singing. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. What's the next verse? That mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. He's not talking about Moses here. He's talking about Jesus. 
Keep going. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Keep going. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to fight. Hmm. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. You see, Matthew is trying to point us, not to Moses in the old covenant, but to this new covenant, this new promise that's coming through Jesus. Just in these two chapters, Matthew 1 and 2, we see so many Old Testament references. Prophecies that are pulled out by Matthew saying, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one. You can trust and follow Him. You can abandon everything else and follow this Jesus. He is the one. He is the deliverer. And God is going to take care of you too. If He can navigate the waters with Mary and Joseph, He can navigate your waters in your life as well. So the question is, what will you do about it? Before we close, I want to read this news article that I found. I normally don't do this, but I just feel like I need to today. I read this in the paper, and I just can't resist. Maybe it'll connect to our message, I don't know. Uh, you might have heard the story, but it's about a couple in Florida who got in trouble, uh, got arrested, and gives their backstory about why they were arrested. It says, a couple in Florida, Tito and Amanda, were arrested a few days ago selling golden tickets to heaven. Y'all heard this story? They sold golden tickets to heaven to hundreds of people, okay? They sold them on the street for $99.99 <laughs> per ticket. And they told everyone that bought the ticket that they were made... <laughs> They were made of solid gold, and that each ticket reserved the buyer a spot in heaven. Simply present the ticket at the pearly gates, and you're in. Okay? So they get arrested, and they give a statement to the police. And Tito, <laughs> in his statement, says, I don't care what the police say. The tickets are solid gold. And it was Jesus who gave them to me behind the KFC <laughs> and told me to sell them so I could get money and go to outer space. You see, I met an alien named Stevie who said, if I got... <laughs> if I got... <laughs> If I got the cash together, he would take me and my wife on his flying saucer to his planet that was made entirely of drugs. <laughs> so he said, you should. <laughs> Don't arrest me, arrest Jesus. Because he's the one that gave me the tickets. <laughs> I'm even willing to wear wire and set him up. In, oh, in his wife's statement, Amanda 
She said, we just wanted to leave Earth and go to space and do drugs. I didn't do anything Tito did at all. I just, wa I just watched. The police said... <laughs> Police said they confiscated over 10 grand in cash, drug paraphernalia, <laughs> and, a <laughs> and a baby alligator. <laughs> so I read that story, and, <coughs> and then I did a little research and found out that that was not true. <laughs> it was a fake news story. It's too it's too good to believe, isn't it? It gave, give you a laugh, though. But then I thought about it. We hear stuff like that every day, all the time, don't we? Our, our world is full of fake news. So full of fake news. We're not even sure what to believe when we read it. And we think, it's on the internet, it must be true. We can't even believe what's printed in the paper anymore. We don't even get a printed copy of the paper anymore. Which leads me to think, there is a world around us that is so desperate to hear truth. And we hold it in our hands. But do we share it? You see, Matthew here, he was desperate for the Jewish people to hear the truth of Jesus. So desperate that he revealed this truth through Jesus' genealogy, Jesus' parents, Jesus' visitors at his birth, and even the fulfillment of prophecy throughout his life. Matthew wrote desperate for his audience to hear the truth of Jesus Christ so they could experience salvation and life. In a world full of fake news, are you ready to share the truth? Do you trust in this book, in the Word of God, in the life that Jesus offers? We celebrate His birth and we look forward to celebrating His resurrection on Easter. But as we stand here today and as we leave this morning, my question I want you to think about in a world full of false accusations, false news, full of lies, are you willing to share the truth and give someone else the opportunity to experience life through Jesus? That's our calling. That's the task before us. That's why you're here on this earth. Not to waste away your days enjoying food and friends. Those are good things. But your primary purpose here on this earth as a follower of Jesus is to share the truth with the world. To make an impact on the nations. Matthew did it. My friend, will you do it too? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And the truth of the gospel. And Father, I pray today that as we reflect on this holiday season, 
we look back on the celebration of Jesus' birth, and we look forward to a new year ahead of us. Father, I pray that as followers of you that we would resolve in our hearts to share the truth with the world, to offer a new hope and life to those who are in desperate need. So, Father, prepare us now and renew our minds and our hearts, equipping us for a good work ahead. May we, like Matthew, share that truth boldly with the world around us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.